Hi, this is Taylor Rotwell back with another Laravel snippet. It is October 11th here in the office. It's uh, been a while since I've been on this uh, podcast. I actually took a break after Laracon and the release of Vapor and kind of just took it easy for a while, actually just kind of relaxing and mainly just managing Vapor support and uh, GitHub PRs and, and stuff like that. Support questions, emails, um, just kind of doing that routine for a while. But I'm excited to get back into this podcast. Uh, as I tweeted a few days ago, I was reflecting on uh, kind of the last five years of Laravel as a business. And I kind of went out in a stripe and looked at sort of the total volume and saw that we had passed $10 million worth of software sold in the last five years. Uh, with each of the products actually launched prior to Vapor, so Forge, Envoyer, Spark, and Nova, each bringing in over $1 million uh, separately on their own. Um, so I thought that was a pretty cool milestone and definitely uh, a milestone I never expected to reach five years ago. And so I kind of wanted to reflect on the journey of that and share some observations, some thoughts, and uh, things I've noticed that kind of contributes to making people successful in software. And also that, that goes for both kind of software as a service products and also informational products like books and videos and stuff like that. And particularly uh, solo developers who are trying to launch their own software product, which is where I was uh, back in 2014. I was totally uh, working solo and built Forge and Envoy and Spark uh, totally solo. And then also uh, they built uh, Nova with David Hemphill. Uh, so that was my first kind of partnership project. Um, so I was a little torn on where to start with this, um, either building an audience or choosing ideas to work on. And there's a lot of topics I want to talk about. And this will probably be uh, kind of a mini series of podcasts since I keep these episodes short. So I mean, some of the things I want to talk about, um, like I said, building an audience, choosing ideas, finding the motivation to finish projects, um, commitment to quality when you're building your projects, marketing, building a passionate community and, and so on. But I think um, for this week, I'm going to start with uh, choosing ideas. Because I have my ideas on that a little bit uh, more formulated um, versus building an audience. And I want to have some more time to kind of think about audience building. I think audience building is actually, I would say, maybe more important than finding an idea. Um, because you have to have an audience to sell stuff to a lot of times. And um, building an audience is really foundational. But like I said, I just have my ideas formulated a bit more around choosing ideas. So that's what we'll go with this week. And I think there's three ways to pick a valuable idea that I want to go over today. And I've personally used two of these approaches when launching products. Um, so the first approach is something that's just painfully obvious in your daily life that would just make your life a lot better. So an example of this in my own case is Forge and Envoyer and Spark, really, all three of them. Um... All three of these things were things that were problems I was encountering on a daily basis. So with Forge, I was just building a PHP servers kind of with bash scripts and by hand. And I just didn't want to do that anymore. I needed a faster way to build these PHP servers and test various Laravel things and stuff like that. So it was very obvious in my daily life that there was a need for this tool to make my life better. So the pros to this approach are, are it's sort of a no-lose situation because at minimum, you're going to learn a lot and improve your own daily life, even if no one else uses it. Um, that was very much the case with Forge. Um, I did not know if anyone would want to use Forge. 
Although I did know that even if I built Forge and no one used it, I would still use Forge. I would still be a very happy Forge user and my life would be better for it. And I would probably learn a lot and gain a lot of experience with Laravel and building it. Um, but I had no precedent or information that could help me determine that people were using it. I didn't really do an email list, uh, sign up or updates during development, which I probably should have done. Uh, looking back, I think it would have been a better launch um, to, to sort of clue people in on what was happening, to build up an email list that I could you know, keep people up to date on when it launched and, and share little tips from as I was develop, developing it. That all could have made it actually an even better launch than it was, but that's all you know, stuff I kind of learned and saw later uh, from other people doing it, really. Um, so that's that's kind of the con to this approach is you don't necessarily know that just because you have something that would improve your daily life that a lot of other people also have that problem. Um, unless, unless you're able to gather those metrics, you may not know that right off the start. So uh, that's kind of the first approach. And I think that's the approach I've taken most often is just sort of scratching my own itch, as I've said, in a lot of conference talks and podcasts when I've been interviewed about this is finding something that's just really irritating to you and solving that problem for yourself. And hopefully, um, if you're having this problem, there is a chance that other people are also having this problem, but you don't necessarily know that. All right, so the second approach, and I actually think this is a really good approach, is taking a very hot technology that's up and coming and has a high demand for tools and learning materials and then launching something in that space while it's up and coming and, and people or there's a really high demand for it. So Vapor is kind of in this spot. And I would say Vapor is a mix between the first approach I mentioned and the second approach, where with Vapor, I saw an up and coming technology that was getting pretty hot in serverless technology. And people were, there's a lot of tweets about it, people writing about it. Um, it was getting popular outside of the PHP world. So like we had now in JavaScript by uh, Zite, which was a really cool product, really inspirational product. And, you know, it was gaining um, traction and, and people were excited about it. And it was starting to bleed into the PHP world. So it was an up and coming technology with a lot of hype around it. Um, and then also it was a mix of number one, because I wanted to build something that le would let me deploy Laravel projects and not think about servers. So that was just something I wanted to solve in my daily life and was an obvious problem in my daily life. Um, and I think um, something like an informational product, like a book or a video course, is a really safe approach with this uh, because you likely can land a nice chunk of money up front with little to no ongoing maintenance. And then if the hot technology kind of fizzles out, you already got your product out there and you got the main payout from that product. So it doesn't really matter. Uh, whereas if you take my approach with a software product like Vapor, I think it's a little bit of a riskier approach uh, with this sort of hot technology path where if the technology just kind of fizzles out or something better comes along fairly quickly, uh, you sort of wasted quite a bit of time and you probably didn't get as much payoff because the SaaS buildup on revenue is going to be a lot slower most likely than just sort of a big product launch up front. Um, so I think there's some good examples of this out in the, in the programming world. So you could take someone like Wes Boss, for example. Um, he's launching really high quality courses around topics that are very popular a lot of the time. So that could be React. Um, I don't know when he launched this React course, maybe a year or two ago. Um, obviously a very popular topic with a huge amount of users that want to learn more about it. And also a lot of people that aren't using it that want to learn more about it. And those are really great 
um, spots to be in. And he already had sort of an audience and a following, but obviously that's going to be a successful product just because all the ingredients are there and, you know, um, just needs that spark and it's going to be a, a really nice launch. Um, I think there's other examples too, you know, like, um, Adam Wathen and Steve Shoger with their refactoring UI course. It's sort of, um, it's something that a lot of people want to learn. You know what I mean? And that's another good thing about this approach or a thing to look for is what is a technology that a lot of people feel like they should know, but they don't know. Um, so a few years ago, I would say this was, uh, maybe Docker or something like that, where it was a pretty new technology. And a lot of developers felt like they should know it, even if they couldn't articulate why they think they should know it. Um, and uh, if a high quality course comes out, it could be pretty successful around that technology, which Chris Fidal launched uh, shipping Docker. He's in the Laravel world and I think was a pretty successful launch and did pretty well because, again, it's a hot technology that's up and coming and there's a high demand for knowledge around that, that topic. And people feel obligated like they should know it. That's even better. Um, so... I think there's a twist on this second approach that I wanted to mention uh, before moving on where you can take a hot technology and then kind of pair it with a technology that you're already familiar with. So this is a really interesting way to launch a product, I think, and, and can give you some pretty good success. So I'm in the Laravel world. Let's say that you view, you're also in the Laravel world and you view GraphQL as a hot and upcoming technology. I'm not saying it is or it isn't, but let's just say that this is what you think is the next big thing. And a lot of people want to know it, which is probably true. A lot of people think they maybe should know something about GraphQL. And so you want to write a book and a video course about GraphQL. So there's two ways you could approach this. You could approach it kind of in the general sense of like, I'm going to write GraphQL for dummies, let's say that kind of approach, which is a very general um, for everyone type of course or video. Or you could take this twist approach that I kind of like where you you pair it with something you already have an audience on or something you already know. So you could launch something like GraphQL for Laravel or GraphQL for Rails. And um, the market is maybe smaller, but I think the sell is maybe a bit stronger because people feel more compelled because the product is more marketed directly to them. And they feel it's maybe more applicable and potentially more valuable than something that's just kind of for everyone and very general and they maybe worry about can they pull applicable lessons um, out of that into their Laravel or Rails world. And you can do this with a ton of things. You can do, you know, Vue for jQuery developers or Vim for Sublime Text users or Laravel for WordPress developers. So there's all kinds of sort of twist approaches that you can take with this kind of thing where you have a hot technology and pairing it with something you're very familiar with or something that already has a huge user base, something like jQuery or WordPress where you just have thousands and thousands and thousands of developers already using these technologies. And if you can, they probably want to learn newer, uh, kind of more uh, fashionable technologies. But um, if they had a course that was specifically geared for them, I think they would be more compelled to purchase that versus something more general. So something to keep in mind there. I think that's a really kind of interesting approach that you might consider. Uh, so the third and last approach I kind of want to talk about for choosing ideas is just to pick a very proven product area. Um, this is something I've never actually done, but I think it is valid and has value. So something that's just sort of a meat and potatoes product that will always exist. So like invoicing software, proposal software, CRM software, CMS software, 
those are softwares that are just sort of like foundational softwares and they always exist and there's a lot to choose from and it's just sort of a proven market that has a lot of users. Um, I've never actually attempted this, but I think if you could do this and kind of just twist the knobs in your own way to create a unique and uh, new value proposition, maybe you have some fresh take on it uh, that changes a few things. Um, it can be valid, I think, just because the pie is so large. So something like, you know, a project management software or um, a proposal software, there's always going to be competitors. But I think Justin Jackson has talked about this and Adam Wathen has discussed it with me also where that doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. It just sort of um, shows you that the market's already proven. You know what I mean? And that's a big challenge actually with some of the other approaches that the market is not proven at all. So at least with this third approach, you know that there's customers out there that are willing to pay for software that solves this problem. Um, and hopefully the pie is big enough. And in many times it is that you can have a lot of different products all doing the same thing and still have a sustainable slice of that pie. So an example of this might be Justin Jackson's product, Transistor.fm. It's a podcast kind of hosting a management software where um, there's lots of other uh, podcast hosting solutions out there. But I saw the other or this week they tweeted that they had passed $30,000 in monthly revenue. Um, and it's just Justin and his co-founder, John. So that's a, that's a significant amount of revenue, actually, for just two people. Um, that's a, you know, I would consider that a pretty successful product at this point. And that's in a crowded market um, with lots of other competitors. And they were able to get their slice of pie out there into a sustainable kind of full-time thing. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a third approach that I don't think you should necessarily write off. It's probably, it's going to be challenging, of course, to sort of um, how do you get your product exposure and um, get it seen in this crowded market? And I think part of that's going to be having the audience, which I'll probably talk about next week. Um, so now what I really don't like to do when searching for a product is just, just kind of that, to be searching. Um, so I think if you're spending days and weeks just kind of hunting for an idea in the dark, just kind of you know going through the woods looking for a needle in a haystack, so to speak, um, that can be a, actually a pretty bad sign. And I've been there myself and I really hate that feeling because it feels like just so desperate and um, like a lost cause. And I think when you do it, you're just in danger of picking an idea that doesn't have any proven value. Um, it's probably not a problem you actually even have because if it was, you probably would have noticed it earlier. Um, I think the best ideas are ideas that are usually fairly obvious that come to you fairly quickly. Um, they're not things that, you know, Usually, um, I'm sure there are exceptions to the case. They're not things that take you weeks of just searching in the dark for some random idea in the hopes that you can kind of be successful. I don't think that's usually how you want to go about things. And I think after these, you know, after keeping in mind these three approaches, there's some amount of just instinct, instinct that has to be developed and uh, being able to just discern what products have a good value proposition and which don't. And some people are better at this than others. Um, some people launch products that I just immediately know nope, that's not going to be successful because I can just see that the value proposition is not there. The market's not there. It's not a hot technology. It's just not interesting. It's not compelling at all. Um, and I just kind of know it's going to be a failure, um, so to speak. Um, so I think if you, if you don't feel like you have this sort of instinct for being able to tell that, or you've never really proven that, I think you should just ask someone that 
maybe you think does have that instinct or has proven they have that instinct by having several successful product launches or even just one successful product launch and just get their feedback on it because it requires actually very little time investment for someone. You know, if someone tweets me with an idea or sends me an email with an idea, it's really not that much time investment for me to give my just kind of gut instinct on whether that could be successful or not. Um, and, you know, just ask them to be brutally honest because you don't want to waste your time on something that's not going to be successful. And uh, yeah, so so reach out to someone if you don't feel like you have that instinct or even if you even if you do have good product instincts just to get a second opinion. And uh, that being said, keep in mind, you know, who you're asking. I wouldn't ask the internet at large or random people because for every idea I've ever launched, there were dozens, maybe even hundreds of people that thought it didn't have any value. They didn't understand it. I don't see why anyone needs this going all the way back to Forge, uh, which is a multi-million dollar product at this point. People would say, you know, you could do this yourself using Ansible and Terraform and, you know, all sorts of other things. So keep in mind who you're asking. Ask someone that actually, um, you know, has a track rec record of launching successful things and get some valuable feedback there. All right, so hopefully this was kind of a helpful overview of how I think about picking products and three approaches that I've sort of thought about when picking project uh, products. And uh, next week I'll probably talk about building an audience and how do you get your product in front of people? How do you build sort of a, a compelling persona online and tips for doing that and some things to avoid when doing that. All right, so I'll be back next week with more stuff to talk about. See ya.